Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited as I always am to have my guest on today, Ms. Chloe Duster. How are you, Chloe? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for coming on. I don't even know how we randomly got connected. That's the, the mystery of my world sometimes. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm talking with Chloe today. I'm like, yet I have no idea how you ended up in my calendar or how we ended up chatting. Um, but we do have something in common. We are both top 40 under 40, which I love being top 40 under 40. When I moved to Calgary, it was kind of this thing that I'm like, once I'm a Calgarian, then I can, then I can get it. Then I could like, I don't know. It felt like some weird rite of passage years ago. And yeah. uh, I stuck in just under the wire back in 2012. And I see you were, did you guys even get to celebrate in 2021? Or was that one of the COVID, the COVID awards no. where you didn't get to have an event? <laughs> no, no event, 2021 and 2020. But I believe they just celebrated. They had a, a postponed celebration just a few weeks ago, but I wasn't able to attend. Yes, they, I was chatting with um, <laughs> shell, one, of the, uh, one of the editors over there. She, she and I were trying to do more with the community and just how many interesting people and over the years of them doing it have been, have been, have been involved. You are the founder and very specifically, it says the sole shareholder. So we'll talk about that at We Wild Ones. So let's talk about what We Wild Ones is all about. Say it five times fast. I'll try. We Wild Ones and what you guys are all about, how you got into it. And let's talk a little bit about your story. Yeah. So We Wild Ones is a childcare organization. We uh, provide childcare services for children 12 months to 12 years of age. Uh, we currently have two locations, so one in Bridgeland and one in Fairview. Um, our model is uh, affordable, high quality, and um, sustainable childcare. Um, so we we are quite large in our capacities, uh, much larger than the average sized uh, childcare center. So average size in Calgary or Alberta is about 50 children. Our capacities are upwards of 200, around 250. Um, just hovering under 300. Um, and the idea with that, with that is to be able to really provide that affordability piece and also to be, provide that wide age range. Uh, so 12 months to 12 years of age, which is the, um, the childcare career of children, per se, of mm. when they need childcare. Um, and to be able to really keep the whole family together so that you're not running around dropping your toddler off somewhere, your preschooler, and then going mm. to pick up your school-age child somewhere else. Um, and we find that, that uh, that's really, really beneficial for, for families, given how busy they are. Um, so so talk to me a little bit. Well, that makes it, again, someone, I don't have children, but I, you always okay. hear, oh my God, childcare and running here and running there. Yeah. It always sounds like it's a hassle. Certainly mm -hmm. from an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial perspective, where find the biggest pain and then find an innovative way to solve it. And you've got yourself mm -hmm. a potential business. So talk to me exactly. a little bit about, because of course, reading your bio, being a professional creeper like I am here. Um, studying finance at Concordia, like mm -hmm. was opening a childcare business part of the plan? <laughs> Never. Um, I definitely always wanted to, I always wanted to own a business. So I lots of business ideas, uh, throughout university. I love business. I love, um, customer service. I worked in retail throughout all of my undergrad and graduate studies in Montreal. I worked at Holt Renfrew, um, I mean, probably learned more there than I did uh, going to <laughs> the school, but um, I digress. <laughs> um, and just that that the, feels like another episode unto itself. <laughs> yeah. But uh, definitely that customer service, that business aspect, um, and was really drawn to it. After my graduate studies, I got a job in Istanbul uh, working in finance and, the, um, and publicly traded companies focused on the resource sector. Um, so whether that be mining, oil and gas, um, chemicals, whatnot. So that sent me to Calgary and uh, for obviously oil and gas in 2013. Um, and two weeks after landing, um, I just realized this is home. 
I'd never been here before. Oh, very um, cool. Heard lots of things. Um, pretty much like everybody else, you have this opinion about Calgary. It's in the middle of the mountains or whatnot. Not much going on. Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver are the biggest cities in Canada. And then you get here and you're like, this little gem. So totally fell in love right away. It was also during Stampede, which is very charming and lovely if you've never seen it. Um, and so decided this is this is where it's happening. So quit my job and um, decided to start from scratch. So, cool. well, so so your landing in Calgary anniversary is, is almost upon us as we're recording this I a, week, know, two, yeah. a week and a half before yeah. Stampede. Yeah. And I mean, funny. there was I, a flood. Yeah. And, yeah. That's right. That, oh, yeah. That was... That was that's so funny. I know you you grew up in France. I my yeah. wife and I took a trip to Paris the night of mm-hmm. the flood, and having no idea oh. the flood was about to happen. I remember checking into our Airbnb, and and the gentleman turns on the TV, and I had this moment of like, why is Calgary on the TV in France yeah. in Paris? Like I don't understand what's going on. So we flew out the Thursday night, and the Friday morning is when everything kind of went nuts. And so interesting, you just had landed here at that, or yeah. around about that time, and uh, we were happy to be in France, which is just a for the sake of tying of weird abstract yeah, connections yeah. together. But I still that moment of like surreal. And after he left, I turned on the television. I'm like, what am I seeing? And and again, and that's the point when things got very real and traveling around Europe. As soon as you said mm-hmm. where you were, everybody had heard about the flood. It got, the world gets really small really quickly sometimes. Oh, and it was, yeah, it definitely, definitely was a big event for Calgary, but a, a great way to really see um, mm-hmm. how resourceful and um, just that can-do attitude <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The, the keep calm, carry on or the chip in. And yeah. Again, moving here from Montreal, I moved here in the middle of February. So it wasn't as luxurious as Stampede. And I remember going downtown on a Friday night and you know what Montreal's right on a Friday night, even yeah. if it's the middle of February, it's still, and I, yeah. I come here and I see a tumbleweed blow across the road and I'm like, <laughs> what if I like, and I'm like you, I hadn't been here before. I knew a few people and I was like, oh, I'll just move here. And it was work related and so on and so forth. But I'd never been and I wouldn't say that was my best first impression, but the city, I very quickly fell in love with it. And it just became the biggest small town I've ever lived in with everybody willing to help and support each other. And, you know, it doesn't take long to get kind of connected in here mm-hmm. where some other cities, you stay on the outside for longer. I know friends have moved to Vancouver and they're like, ah, I've been here six months. and I still don't know anybody. Where Calgary, yeah. I made a friend the first week. It's just a very different, very open place. And which lends to, I think a lot of, I have a lot of friends that moved here specifically from Quebec where I grew up that have opened businesses and been very successful yeah. and not to be critical. But when I look at my friends who stayed in Quebec versus the ones that came here, there's a different, they're at a different place. Mm-hmm. There's, there's opportunity here to do things that maybe just doesn't feel the same in other provinces, whether it's regulatory or just different culture, maybe simply put. Mm. Yeah. And I, I'd say the culture here in Calgary is we give everyone a chance. We don't really care how long you've been here, what your experience is. Um, if you have experience in the business that you're launching or not, we actually find the less experience you have, um, the more excited we are to come and check it out and support it. Um, and it's really just if you're good at what you do and it makes sense, then why not? Versus markets like Montreal, which I, I totally agree. Um, it, it, a lot more emphasis is put on your history, your credibility, um, and who your uncle is, who your dad is, yeah, related exactly. to what, yeah very, yeah, very, very much so. A lot of doors that get open for some and then goes get closed from others. Mm-hmm. That's not always right. That's not always yeah. good or bad or right or wrong. But anyways, we're here. So let's talk, let's talk yeah. about, it's not about what some other place isn't doing. It's, no, so, exactly. you, so you decide to quit your job. Had, are we at the idea phase? Like, do we, we're quitting the job no, to go so, do this or we're just leaving this because no. it's not right? <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we've, we've just quit and I am <laughs> the now. The proverbial we, the royal we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I have just quit and I am now, I have found a roommate and I'm sleeping on an air mattress, you know, the full, the full sob story. Nice. I love it. Living in my car in a van down by the river. Yeah. Awesome. Start from the beginning. Um, and, uh, and then I decided I'm actually going to go back to Holt Renfrew. Um, so to, to meet people. So retail is just this, this really awesome way of getting to know a city. Um, Mm -hmm. I love, I love selling stuff and, um, and what better way to get to know sort of um, how a city works than to, to you know, work at a, a very sort of service level job and, and meet people. So I go do that uh, for about six months. And during that time, um, meet people within Calgary. And I started volunteering, so teaching children some yoga, which led to then opening a really small studio. It was essentially in a, in a home. I lived in it, so a townhouse with a children's yoga studio on the main floor, um, which turned into, parents loved it, but it was, can you pick up my child at school, bring them back, do yoga, and also feed them a snack? I was like, why not? Some people might have said, what? But <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I appreciate I, the full service. Um, yeah, and again, let's like, be let's be candid. You're working at Hold Renfrew. You're meeting a, a certain social socioeconomic mm-hmm. level of individuals that shop there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm super busy because I've got the job. I've got this child that I love very much, but I don't have time. Here, can I just give you money and can you take care of this for me? And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to minimize that in any way, no, but there's yeah. a little bit of that. That's what I'm picturing going yeah. on. Yeah, and so um, this was in Bridgeland. So I had this this townhouse that had the the yoga studio on the main floor and um essentially within a few months was walking down to the the school down the street with with my dog harry and picking up around like 20 20 kids and walking them back and you know doing some yoga playing at the park feeding them you know homemade banana bread like really rosy and beautiful and then they also had younger sounds quite a, sounds quite, quite wonderful can you come can you come pick me up afterward give me some banana bread says right Twenty kids. Do you put them in like a harness? Do you like? I've seen people no. walking, and I'm like, it looks like a dog sled team. I'm like, this is very weird to me. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not a child owner. I don't know. I don't know what's right or wrong. <laughs> oh no, they're they're very smart and capable, and um, okay. but you Fair know, enough. these children also had younger siblings who, during the day, needed care, and so you know, the parents were asking, well, can I also? What what can you do for my? Um, toddler or whatever so rented the townhouse next door and opened a preschool um this is as now, grassroots story as it gets i love it i didn't realize how grassroots it was. oh i now oh, know yeah. you and trust you here can you solve these i have all these other challenges can you help <laughs> yeah and but this is this is a really grassroots part then one day <laughs> i get a knock on the door and it's um child care licensing and they're like we so like we were just like checking in, um, and I was like, "Oh, really? <laughs> Who are you?" Because I have no experience in childcare. I have no background in it. Um, I I don't know. I'm just like, well, these these parents want me to take care of their kids, and they're having such a good time, and everybody loves it, and everybody wants to come here, and this is so much fun. <laughs> you have you're, you're the you're the cool place. You're the I want to go hang out. Yeah, and so childcare licensing is like, well, you actually need a license to do this. Um, so, okay, well, what does that entail? 
Um, and they were really, really wonderful. And I don't know, we can figure out later if we need to include this or not in the podcast. But I think <laughs> it, it, they, we essentially really work together because there is a, pro, a child care issue in Calgary um, yeah. in terms of accessible, affordable, high quality child care. Um, and a lot of communities just don't have the service. And, and that has a lot to do with the city planning. Um, the code regulations for a child care center um, are really complicated. You need parking, you need outdoor space, your building needs, you know, all of these different features. So it's really, really hard to find an adequate space. So I worked with child care licensing. Uh, it took about a year. We found a space down the street at the CNIB. So the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, they have this massive, a 30,000 square foot building. They were like, well, we don't use the top floor. The top floor plate was about 11,000 square feet. They're like, you can take it, but you have to take the whole floor. So I went from 2,500 square feet to 11,000 square feet. I was like, yeah, no, that's a great idea. That's perfect. It's got green space and parking. Um, little did I know you need to do construction which is really expensive. It is. <laughs> but and, and, we made and in, it. This, in that situation, you probably didn't have a lot of tenant improvement allowance. There was no, like, oh, it, was no all on, it was all on you, 100% on you. Well, and I had no idea what tenant improvement allowance is or what a commercial lease, how to negotiate it. Um, but whatever, everything, everything you learn when it's your first go around. Um, so sign the lease, didn't really, I remember the contractor, I met him on site and he was like, so like, what's your budget? I was like, I don't know, like, 50k he's like for what for paint <laughs> you got 11,000 square feet here like we're looking at at least like $60 a square foot <laughs> you're gonna need a bigger budget but so, we made so it reality we reality it is coming left right and center <laughs> yeah but we figured it out and um and you know a year later we were totally full um and best to get the scenes and definitely a learning curve but that is my way of jumping in. I'm not a planner. Um, and I definitely prefer to just figure it out under stress. Otherwise, if there's no pressure, then. So pressure prompted would be a way to describe you. Yeah. In your profile. Yeah. Chloe, I'm, pre I'm pressure prompted. I don't love to plan, but, I'll, but, but I'm resourceful and I can figure shit out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just kind of seeing like, oh, okay, well, this is a great space. So let's figure it out. So I really like what you said, because when I hear permitting and I hear planning, I mm -hmm. hear roadblocks and friction and annoyance and all the stories I hear of people that work with the city in any capacity. So to hear that they were actually willing to kind of, I don't know if you even used the word, to partner with you, they worked with you, that it actually yeah. was a collaborative process. From the outside, that wouldn't have been my first impression. As soon as you said they came and knocked at the door, I'm like, oh no, this is when the story takes a dark turn. But that doesn't sound like it was the case, that they were willing to work with you because they knew there was an identified problem. Yeah, and I think they recognized, um, and definitely without like vocalizing it, that like obviously we're not going to take people's childcare away. Like the parents are happy here. You're providing a valuable service, and we recognize that we can't. We haven't figured out that gap, um, and that there's no point in taking their service away. Um, we just want to make sure that everything is is, is lined up. That, that you're doing everything right. And Under, so, understandably so. It sounds totally like there's a little bit of common sense applied, which that seems rare. Yeah. I don't want to throw the city under the bus, but it's not usually common sense and city planners are not always what you hear associated, or certainly the regulatory side. But it is your children, so you want it to be safe and you want there to be fire. Of course. Yeah. Like, like, of totally. course, of these things are, are ridiculous. Was there, any, any, was there ever any point, you know, I appreciate now you're very like, well, we just figured it out. 
was was there some dark moments was there some like oh god what have i got myself into here or was it always just one foot in front of the other oh my of course of course yeah no i mean there were so many moments i think in that townhouse i remember after i signed the lease at the cnib and just realized they had just demoed it i had you know, so that we could actually start like the outfitting. I realized we had to do all this HVAC work because we were increasing the capacity and it was like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and I, I didn't even know like anything could even cost that much. And I remember just going upstairs and crawling under my bed and just lying down and be like, I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> I'm gonna under, not under the sheets, but under your bed. <laughs> no, literally just like, I just need a moment to just like gather my thoughts here. Like this is, this is normal and this is the and then my motto has always been this is the universe testing you how badly do you want it figure it out because you can always walk away i could have just said i'm done like oh my gosh i don't want to take out this much money i don't want to like be responsible for all of this um but it it all it all worked out and um and you don't know who's really you you really don't know what you're capable of doing which is you know in my case, was was asking for help. <laughs> so oh, I'm reaching like, out yeah. to to people um, uh, to, to for support and to be really honest and vulnerable um, about where I was at. And it's and then really fast forward to now, which is about five years later. Um, and you know, we have a, I have a second center. I've got three more now planned to open in the next two years. Um, and just the team that I feel so supported and surrounded but like really nothing none of this would have happened on my own like i'm definitely not the key player in this whole orchestra it takes a village whether it's raising a child or building a business you don't do it on your own so well the, the visionary the implementer all you can break down all mm -hmm. the different profiles mm -hmm. of the individuals you yeah. need to build a business beyond going back to the, the asking for help was and just of course the business guy the business head brian and me is now like well was this did you get bank funding did you get people mm -hmm. like kind of angel friends family that we're willing to invest and because i'm doing the math here quickly like we're doing hvac work we're throwing 60 dollars mm -hmm. a square foot at it it's eleven thousand square feet like the numbers are yeah. growing pretty exponentially yeah. here yeah. from a 2500 to like you, you didn't you, you took a baby step and then you leaped right into the deep end of the pool yeah what was that like was it was it friends and family round or did you go to the bdc or like how did that funding model kind of come together um no so i met and I'm, I'm a big believer in the universe. So ironically, I'm, pi enough, I'm picking think, up on that. I'm picking up on that. I <laughs> so I, I had a it. random, random in this moment. It was, it, I had a random Tinder date <laughs> and okay. he just started a business and he starts telling me about the Canadian small business financing. And I didn't tell him my situation that I was in where I was trying to find, figure out how I was going to do all this construction. And he just talks about this loan, how they just built out, you know, their, couple locations with it. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to go home and Google it. Perfect. Needless to say, we never had a second date, but I went home <laughs> and I Googled it and I was like, this like you understand why, like, this is why it's so important to constantly meet people and talk and because yes. you never know what nuggets are going to like hit you in the face. And that was, I love that, that was it really... was a Tinder date. I love that. That's part of your story. <laughs> well, a Tinder I, date. Was... Oh, I didn't have a second one, but he was really chatty and I got a lot out of it. <laughs> well, no, because I mean, I don't, I, a lot of people or entrepreneurs are like networking is so important. And you know, it's not about going to those breakfasts or those conferences. Sometimes it, it, it's just the day to day conference. It like really, small like pedestrian mm -hmm. conversations that's where the, 
that's where the gold is. And, and in this case, yeah, it was, it was such a pivotal moment. Cause I, I don't think I would have learned about that program, which is incredible. Um, I think for anybody starting a business, the Canadian small business financing program, you know, it helps you with your leasehold improvements. Um, it's guaranteed, it's guaranteed a certain percent by the government. Um, and it, it really supports in, and that also made me realize like, oh, this is how people start businesses. This is how restaurants are able to afford. <laughs> oh, oh and, that, and that's, and that's a loan structure, right? That's non-dilutive. You're yeah, not giving a up loan. a piece of your organization. Nope, so exactly. there's benefits there. There's risk, but the benefits is you, you're still whole at the end. And I, well, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was on yeah. purpose, but it was very specifically in your, in your top 40, the sole shareholder. Meaning that this is me, I did this. And you know, you got to yeah. that, that, that model is allowed to be true because you found a model that didn't force you to give up a part of the organization, which might not even have made sense because you didn't 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 necessarily have a business to give up yet, even at that point when you were looking for money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't um I don't know how the the sole shareholder ended up being specified in there. It is something that I do mention sometimes, um okay. because I do think it's important. Um sprinkled throughout this journey has been moments of like, oh, so who who are your partners? Or just the assumption that there is partners involved. Mm, or, okay. um, my, my first contractor told me, um, you know, oh, I thought I thought you were working for your dad or you know, or when ah, I this opens up a whole <laughs> other side of the question. Yeah, so so there's there's a lot. So so maybe that is my my the chip on my shoulder of saying like, yeah, I'm I am the the only owner um and and whatever now on the flip i i and i don't have investors um but on the flip side of that i do really now i do really admire people who go out and raise money before having an actual um proven model i really really admire that Um, raising money with a with a with a powerpoint yeah, yeah yeah and uh and pitching that because i never had the I never even gave myself that option um it was always like I'm gonna figure it out on my own I'm gonna max out all my credit cards because you signed the lease first and then figured everything else later (laughs) yeah that too that too um but uh but yeah so that's that's kind of this the second part I'm moving into now is looking at like what what does it look like in that sense but uh but yeah no so so definitely at the time figured it all out and so talk to me and you, you touched on it a little bit and I can't, I can't not because we have a conversation on the show often. Women in business doing her own thing. Oh, I thought you were working for your dad. That comment alone would, <laughs> to get, would put the hair on. The, oh, oh, really? Well, let me straighten you out, yeah. sir. So was, was aside from a, com- a passing in comment, was there any roadblocks or was there anything that you saw that was like, come on, you're treating me this way because I am. A-. And did any of that stuff come up? And I'm not trying to find it if it's not there, but I'm curious because it's very inspiring that you went in and did this. Anyone. Any human, male or female, it's hard to start a business. But there's no question, mm-hmm. as a woman out there, there are some roadblocks that I don't think need to be there, but they, they are. And I've had a lot of guests on the show talking about how frustrating mm-hmm. and annoying, and that pisses them off. <laughs> um, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely frustrating and annoying, but I, I don't like to dwell on it too much because I know there, there is also so many advantages that I have to being a woman and being young and, and starting a business and that people also love that story. And, and, um, and I've definitely been given some, some chances and help, but that I probably wouldn't have had if I, if I was just, a you know, a white guy. <laughs> so, no, I, so no, there, I, 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 I appreciate you looking at that other side of it and yeah, choosing to focus and, on that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And not, uh, but yeah, but yeah, there's definitely been times that I've been like, Oh, this is, this is just stereotypical. Um, but I think there's also times where it, where it has been also a real advantage. So, um, in that sense, like it, it evens out. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is childcare is not a sexy industry. It's not something that people really even consider like a business. A lot of people think that we work for the government, um, or that we're government funded, like entirely government funded, that it's, it's just, there's like this secret money that flows into it or that it doesn't cost anything to operate a childcare center. Um, and so it's that just the perception of the industry um, that it's, or that it's a, a right that, you know, everybody should have access to childcare. So, you know, we should somehow find space or make space. Um, and, and we can't, um, obviously in the last year, there's been huge changes to the childcare industry in Alberta with the universal childcare funding, um, which is finally making it more accessible and, um, the government really getting a lot more involved in the industry. Um, but up until now, Alberta has been one of the provinces with the most, where its childcare centers is, is really led by private operators. And so that's entirely private providers um, that create a business model around it and an offering um, and really serve the demand. Um, but they're, they're private businesses. They, they don't really have any more or less government contribution. You're still, um, run, you're still running a business with the public. Well, it's often a it's often a political platform that's run on childcare funding and universal funding, especially again. Mm -hmm. You spent some time in Quebec. It's always in and out yeah. of the media in Quebec and Ontario all the time. Which I think, from you know, unless you're directly involved in it, you really have no idea what's going on. But it probably creates a mm -hmm. bit of a misconception of what the industry is or what it is. But Alberta, yeah. with so many things in Alberta, it's very entrepreneurial. It's very private. Yeah. So you tend to see it as these small little niche you'll drive through a community, and there's a house that's converted with yeah. a fence around the front lawn and the yeah. sign and that's childcare. That's my vision yeah. of it when I think about Alberta childcare, just like local, very, very grassroots. Like it services that Absolutely, tiny little section yeah. of the community. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, the day home model is also very prevalent here. So that's where you have your, um, you're running it out of your house and you can have eight children that you take care of, um, which is also so great um, and really common here and a really accepted uh, model of childcare, which in other provinces isn't as accepted. Um, but we've really found a way in Alberta to create a, a child care um, system that can support the demand. Now that the government is more involved and there's more funding for it, it's, it, it definitely has turned it on its head um, and we're, we're adjusting to it. <laughs> but, um, but it's been a really, really interesting. Uh, I was really surprised when I moved to Alberta that child care is private. It was basically entirely out of pocket. Um, having been in Quebec and known so much about the $5 a day daycare and not coming from the childcare world, but just, you know, kind of reading the headlines and having a very like superficial knowledge. It's a, it's it. a prevalent headline in Quebec that they, they run on on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, mm -hmm. they, it, it's quite heavily um, advertised, but, um, and, and it's been, obviously I've done a, a lot of research into it as Alberta has introduced universal childcare and, there's just so many, so much interesting data um, about childcare, about Quebec's essentially like publicly funded childcare system. And that while accessibility and affordability are great, if you don't have quality, you're not setting your society up for success. And that's the biggest downfall. And that, that is the biggest like 
fear um, for this universal childcare program that's been launched. Um, and in Alberta, if we don't ensure quality, um, we we're not we're not setting the children up to really succeed, and we're not giving them any um, specific any like real tools. I mean, they might as well have been upstate at home and watch TV, you know, with six other kids <laughs> in a basement. Well, and, there, and, and there's so much more data that's coming out around those formative years and like wh- how mm-hmm. that sets you up for success. You know, I do some work with um, Cups, uh, Carlene Donnelly yeah. and her team, and they work very yeah. closely with the, in their One World program. And mm-hmm. we, I've been involved in that since 2009. And the work they do with Harvard on their early childhood development program and the data and the science they have around if you create these healthy habits and this healthy, very supportive, safe environments. You run this out twenty years. You have a very different human. Like there is, we're not speculating totally. anymore. It's it's very it's no. very it's it's proven out. But yet it seems to be sometimes kids just get parked in front of a TV. <laughs> yeah, and I, and we we are able now to look at the data from Quebec childcare um, model because it, it's been around for so long that we can actually and there is lots there is research that's been, you know it's. It, the studies show children that grew up in that system um, that were in the publicly funded childcare or the $5 a day or whatever were significantly less um, set up for success than children who were in, in really yeah. affordable programs. Um, and so as much as we say like the importance of childcare, accessible, affordable childcare for, for society and everyone, if we look at the long term, which I mean, we can get into political ter- terms and whatever, but they, they're not looking at the long term. It's, it's right now. What do people want yeah. right now? Um, so I just really hope, and, and we are really looking at like a high quality and what does that mean and, and how do we kind of standardize it across the industry. But what was really great about Alberta being such a privately led industry is that as a business, you were motivated to create a really high quality service. And that's the advantage and dis- I mean, there's, I, I understand that there's pros and cons on, on either end, um, but that's where we were able to really have a high quality childcare system um, in Alberta. I appreciate I mean, it's available and it's cheap is the value proposition versus what you're mm-hmm. creating and, I'm, I, and high quality that can be defined in so many different ways. Yeah. How much, how much as you've evolved the business, how much, how much time and energy goes into R&D? <laughs> and that's maybe a weird way to say it, but high quality i'm assuming that's always morphing and moving and you're always learning yeah so i mean we we have just a we have a full-time uh person uh their role is special projects um so they do special projects research uh throughout the center um lead different initiatives um we also have a we work with not royal so we've got a capstone um annual capstone team that we work with um and last year we just we had completed four projects um and just constantly trying new ideas we're really the childcare industry is quite complacent um it's not really a uh innovative industry um we've never even really challenged the childcare model of like group childcare of like, is this really the best way to take care of kids? I mean, we understand why, you know, putting them together and the age groups and, and whatnot, but is that really the best way to do it? Is there maybe a, a better way? Um, so yeah, it's constantly kind of challenging and, and researching. And that is a big part of our culture is at We Wild Ones is, you know, can we do it better? And what have we not considered? And let's just try it. Let's see. 
Um, and if it works, it works. And, and a lot of time it does. I mean, everyone wants to um, definitely challenge their, their perception or their, what they think is, yeah, I lost my train of thought there. But, but well, yeah, I, I, I can, it's such an interesting, we talked about, you know, kids that were raised in a certain environment aren't maybe a setup for success down the road, but it's also a very unique group. And again, I'm making my own assumptions here. You also get pretty raw, pretty real feedback. Like if you try something new that day of and it doesn't work, it probably blows up really quick because this isn't a group that's going to wait and tell you how they feel later. You're going to know right away that they weren't enjoying the experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just, just putting myself into that environment of like, no, I hate this. Ah, I'm going to tell you right now. And, or I love it. You're going to get a very different outcome. I always joke, we're all little kids underneath. If we like it, we keep doing it. If we don't like it, we'll find a way to either cause trouble or do something or stop. <laughs> No, exactly. And, and that's why we, so our um, teaching philosophy is inquiry-based learning. So we don't really have like a set curriculum or um, plan for the day of this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to learn today. And, you know, we're going to sit down at this time and do this activity. Um, the teachers really sort of organically develop the activities throughout the day based on the children's interests and the questions that have come up. Um, and so, it really creates, it fosters this love for learning because it's, it's never forcing the group to, okay, everybody go sit down, sit at your, sit at your seat. <laughs> like, here's the activity we're doing. You know, we're memorizing our colors now when some children, that, that's not where they're at at that time. They want to be doing a, a more physical exploration or they want some quiet time or whatnot. So really giving all of the options um, so that children develop this love um, for learning because it, it becomes like really intrinsic and natural. Um, and, that's, and that's what we found. And all of our kids, by the time they're six, they know all of their colors, they know how to write their name, they know their numbers, but they've never done a worksheet. And they've never sort of memorized information. So. You did give me, you did trigger some PTSD because go sit down and be quiet. It's like, Ugh. I was not a yeah. go sit down and be quiet. And, you know, mm -hmm. both my business partner and I, we chalk sometimes like, oh man, we get to kind of do now what we used to get in trouble for doing in school all the time. Thinking out of the box, doing what we want, breaking mm -hmm. something. This model doesn't work. We'll change it. You know, and my, my, my business partner, uh, creative director and kind of has, he goes, I get paid to now do what I used to get yelled at for doing on my notebook. I was supposed to be memorizing yeah. something that I had no interest in memorizing. So lots of, lots of, I think, you know, getting in trouble in school was a good, because it was a good um, pre-indicator of potentially entrepreneurial behavior <laughs> down the road. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, so interesting. So how big's your team right now? Um, so we've got about 120 um, between the two centers. So educators, leadership team, um, and we're opening another center in Curry uh, in September, if all goes well. Um, so, I mean, that's dependent on when the, when the license comes through, but... Right. Yeah, so so that'll be September, and then um, two more locations in the works. So. so five years ago, you were lying under your bed, under your bed. <laughs> yeah. not, under the, not under the covers. I want to be super clear, yeah. under the bed, because that is a whole other level of like, yeah, just yeah. need some alone time. I need to hide under yeah. here. I don't know. Um, and five years later, you've got 120 employees, and you're about to open your third location. Yeah, I mean, I still. It's awesome. Still it sounds go. great. I'm just, yeah. I'm just loving it. I'm celebrating it. I think it's, I think that's amazing. I love this. This is a great story. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, do I still, like, sometimes want to go lie under my bed and, and think, like, <laughs> what in the actual? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't get easier. WTF, like, what you, is going on here? <laughs> yeah, like, you never, I definitely sometimes think, like, oh, my God, what have I created? Or it's, it's too, it's 
it's too much. It's too mm. big of a, a responsibility. Or I think that that is like a really normal feeling. You never, yeah, I, I, you never want to get to the point where you're like, yeah, everything's everything's great. I mean, when I was preparing to open my second location, I went to the bank to you know kind of talk about like what that would look like, and they're like, "Just sit back. You're doing great. Why are you gonna go spend oh, some more money? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you gonna go spend some more money? Like, <laughs> this is like look at like, you know, like just take a break. I like, and I was like, really? Like, that's." I actually got quite, quite depressed after the first center opened once we had, you know, once we were steady and um, construction was done and, you know, everything was, was dialed in because it, you lose that sense of like, what am I, what am I creating? And like, what is my role? Um, if my role is not to handle the stress and the risk of the business and, and childcare being an industry that is quite stable, um, a child, like, you know, we, we run on monthly fees, our registration is stable. Um, so once, once a center is set up, it, it, it is quite a, um, a steady, um, unless you've got like COVID and a global pandemic, but that's another story. Well, of course. <laughs> We've made it like 36 minutes without even talking. I wasn't even focusing on that at all. Cause your story was so like, okay, here's how it worked. But yeah, I, unless of course there's this thing that, that yeah. someone else comes with a big heavy hand and shuts your business. Uh, I, you know, yeah. I'm proud to say that for 36 minutes, I kind of didn't even think to ask about COVID. <laughs> I didn't either. And then I was just saying about how stable the childcare industry is. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> yes. Um, I do love that. I don't want to lose the, the kind of thread we're talking yeah. about, about, you know, the joke of like, well, oh, geez, when the, when, the, when the conversations go away, it's when the voices come. You've got this hard push and this drive to like, go, go, go. And then all of a sudden things start to work and you're like, whoa, who am I? Yeah. It's like this weird sense of loss of identity because your identity is the mm -hmm. busy person solving all the problems. But then it starts to go away. That's an interesting transition. And curious, did you, um, aside from uh, the under the bed scenario, which is always a viable option, coaches, outside mentors, people in your life that you could go to and go, whoa, I'm experiencing this. Is this normal for starters? Like, am I... Am I crazy or is this just how it goes? <laughs> is this the journey? Uh, yeah, so I haven't really, no, not until about a year ago. So a year ago, okay. I joined um, a tech group. So uh, Oh, nice. I'm in, I'm in tech as well. Oh, I'm awesome. in tech as well. Yeah. yeah, I love tech. I've been in tech off and on since like 2011. So yes, yeah. I get it. I, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, tech has got a whole, that's been a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. And honestly, again, the universe, they reached out to me through LinkedIn. They were like, do you want to join this group? I looked into it and I was like, oh, this this looks like really fishy, um, but <laughs> I, can, I know the mo I, I know the team over there. So I'm gonna let them know. I'm like, hey, take it easy. Like, they've really stepped up their recruiting efforts in the last couple of years as well. Uh, but honestly, <laughs> this like, looks a little fishy. Well, you know, it was just like, okay, what, like, what do you want from me? <laughs> and um, and then also like, wait, why would these people want me to be in their group? Like, what am I going to contribute? And no, it's been the best decision. It's been about a year, over a year. And that's, um, that's been really phenomenal. But up until then, no, I definitely not just not knowing and, and not knowing that it, it is a shared experience and being really afraid. I think as an entrepreneur, you don't really know who to talk to because you don't want to freak out your family and you don't want to freak out your kids. <laughs> Of the stress you well, that's and, and that's the loneliness of it all. Like sometimes yeah. you've got to look like you've got your shit together, like just, just yeah, you're doing your thing, and like but underneath, the, you know, the duck, the, the legs are going a thousand mile an hour. 
Yeah. And especially, I mean, obviously COVID where everyone was just like, we have no idea what we're doing. Um, and there was no, there was nobody, nobody had a playbook. Yeah, nobody had a playbook, but we were all treating each other like you should definitely have a playbook and you should know better and, and whatnot. And that, that was an extremely formative um, couple of years. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my, I got to give it to my tech chair. She, every Tuesday morning, she put together from 730 to 830. We did a, like she found it. She got a CEO checklist and it was mm-hmm. like, what do you, finances and then people and then kind of broke yeah. it all down and we'd all meet and then compare notes and like well i've got i've got a two out of five on this one well i've kind of got that yeah. one sorted here's what i did and we probably did that for a good six eight months and whoever could make it could make it kind of thing but that yeah. shared you know misery loves company maybe a little bit but also mm-hmm. there was always someone who was one step ahead of you or or you were one step ahead of someone else and could offer here's what i did just to inspire them and uh, that yeah. was a huge value at that time i i, I kind of forget about it because it just became this rhythm but hugely impactful because you could talk to another group of people that were going through exactly what you were going through in their version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not feeling like you're like sometimes you yeah. don't want to feel like your your feelings or your experience is unique. That's the biggest comfort I've gotten from tech is that like, oh wow, okay, everybody has their lying under the bed scenario. Freak so out! I'm not special <laughs> and unique, absolutely. Special, that, in that, in that case, not. you don't want to be because it feels like no. You know, yeah. and then and you get into some of that of imposter things. syndrome and some of those things yeah. are very real. Yeah. Remember, I was yeah. in a, I think when I was maybe first year in my tech group, and I'm in there with businesses with five hundred million dollar top. Like they, they had a level of problems I aspired to have at the time with my couple million dollar business. And I remember yeah. we, had a, we had a speaker come in and say, you know, who in the room is, you know, just show hands is concerned that the people around them might find out that they're not as smart as everyone else thinks they mm. are. And like three quarters mm-hmm. of the room put up their hand. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah. oh, wait a second. I'd put every single one of these people on a pedestal with a cape and that was me, not them. But that was a very humanizing experience. And I can, I can pinpoint the day that that happened and it changed my view of things. So based on... Oh, we all feel this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. nobody thought it all figured out. No, who's yeah. your tech chair? Uh, Lorna Johnson. Oh, I've no effort. I haven't met her. My L'Oreal yeah. is my tech chair, and she spoke to me okay. about Lorna. Like, you need to meet Lorna. Yeah. And she very much believes in the universe and the belief structure. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard some great stories about why I should meet her. I just haven't chat with, chatted with her. I had all yeah. men as my tech chairs before. I think I've had four tech chairs over the years, off and on. And I was in a group, and I resigned for a couple years. Having a female texture, I have to say, is the best because it's such more of a dynamic experience. Not criticizing mm-hmm. the white guys I had. They were great chairs. Yeah. Female in that role, the tools that she's got to process issues and pull things out. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of Lori and I will rave about her to anyone who will listen. But mm-hmm. her ability to pivot in the room and go, okay, well, this, we're, not, we're kind of stuck processing this issue. Let's, yeah. let's do this. Let's do the box exercise or let's do this exercise. And yeah. The toolkit and the flexibility that I've seen her pull into a room of CEOs, which can be a notoriously tough group to lead. It's a, it's a pretty impressive environment for no one who's kind of peered. Can't really explain tech without sitting around that table for a couple of sessions. It's hard. No, it, yeah, you can't. Uh, I, I'd say they're, I, I really consider them family. Like it, it's a, and definitely like what, what happens in the room stays in the room. Um, yeah. But it's some of the most like powerful um, moments once a month where you just get yes. to, f- I mean, we like to, to call it a, like a spa day, like a brain spa day. Cause you just kind of dump everything out. Yeah. <laughs> Except that unlike the spa, you sometimes feel beat up after you leave, but in a good yeah. way, like oh, in, yeah. in, in, in a very like good exhausted. way. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Just right beat up. Yeah. No, some of my closest friends now are people that I would mm-hmm. never have met if I hadn't had yeah. some shared experiences and some shared dramas and wins and miseries mm-hmm. and 
you learn to know people in a real intimate environment that were strangers two sessions ago, right? Totally. <laughs> so yeah, anyone who's listening, I'm a huge advocate of participating, whether it's EO or IPO, whatever it might yeah. be. But don't go it alone. You don't. That's you don't need yeah. to do that. You don't need to be the martyr. It's not. That's not real. Yeah. Silly. <laughs> no. No. And and also, nev- nobody can do it alone. Um, <laughs> that you know that you you can't. So to really lean on your peers, um, and that like, yeah, there's there's no sort of shame in in creating sort of a, a team or a group, um, and to mm-hmm. yeah to really tap into that peer network. Um, or a peer, to just find a peer group um, at any stage Shame. of wherever That's a, you're a powerful at. word. Shame and guilt. Very dangerous combination yeah. of, of that, that results in nothing but uh, unproductive realities, but yet we've been... What do you work in Quebec? It's Catholic? You, you, come on, mm-hmm. shame and guilt is a corner, mm-hmm. is a cornerstone <laughs> of how you go about your day. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, not not, I'm not, not that the Catholic religion has the shame and guilt corner, no. but I know they, 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 they use it as a very, yeah. as a very powerful tool. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, so let's not go into religion, and we've already we've always <laughs> skirted around politics. So yeah. We have, well, maybe we'll leave we'll leave religion for another day, or maybe yeah. a glass of wine conversation. Yeah. So you've got um, three more three more planned. One opening in Korea. I'm in over in Marloop, so kind of right 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 in my backyard. Oh, yeah. And is this something that you can that you see? Is this does this go beyond? Because it sounds like each province has its own dynamic, and what you're building and also is probably much very much playing into the Alberta environment. So from a business and scalability, is this in all the cities in Alberta and, you know, that kind of a thing? Or is this something you see expanding or you're just on the ride and see where it goes? Like uh, all, all answers are valid. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, the, each location just come, has just come on its own as like uh, an opportunity and something that makes sense. I haven't really like sought out specific um, or, the, or the growth. There's no specific kind of growth plan. Um, we do, so our centers focus a lot on sustainability. So we're vegetarian, we cloth diaper, um, all of the children in diapers on site. So, um, mm-hmm. just whenever they're with us, they're, they're in cloth diapers. We send them home in whatever the parents prefer. Um, lots of like different sustainable measures. So we don't do like any disposable, like hand towels. It's all like little cloth towels that the kids dry their hands with. Um, and then sustainable materials in the center, so like no plastic, um, no um, all like open-ended loose parts, so recycled materials, and um, and so just really fostering that sense of like our impact on um, the environment. And I think because at the scale that we operate, it's so important for something like a childcare center to have sustainable practices um whether that be the if food not the waste serve. if not the waste would oh. be like like out of yeah control. <laughs> well and we're i mean we're caring for like 300 kids a day at each center that's a, that's bo- a lot that of boggles food. My, that boggles my mind <laughs> scares the heck out of me actually <laughs> be totally it, it's actually surprisingly like yeah it's dialed in but okay. yeah no i'm i'm definitely getting the impression that there's a formula and it's being tweaked constantly and it's and it's led yeah. with love and kindness and caring i'm getting that loud and clear but when you but the, at that scale you're able to have such an impact on the environment like your choice to use um single use when you're taking you know daily that it adds up really fast like even with the diapers for us, the cloth diapers, it's one load of laundry at the end of the day versus bags and 150, bags of garbage. 
that yeah that that will not that will not decompose um so it's like these really simple applications um that we that that's really where we're challenging ourselves of like how could we do this better how could we do this more sustainably um and because ultimately like it is our responsibility as businesses to bring these options to the consumer um in a very non-disruptive um consumers aren't going to change their way of consumption if it's more expensive or it's inconvenient um so it, it really comes from the business standpoint and that's a responsibility that we have um and then we also with our team try to you know we provide um transit subsidies or transit yeah we we entirely fund uh like public transit for them so just to encourage like taking public transportation um you know storing food in the kitchen or whatnot so they're not bringing or like eating out during the day and mm -hmm. like single-use coffee cups or whatnot they're really constantly looking at like what can we do better um based on the pot the amount of people that we interact with every day so i love that and what a what a great way for some parents to kind of see it you're, le you're leading mm -hmm. by example isn't the best way it's the only it's just probably what it is. yeah and, and they yeah. see you doing it and they're like oh hmm, maybe i'll try that now you you probably make a lot of things approach exactly and i think like so so in terms of the growth question that's kind of a piece that we would love to support other centers in um these sustainable practices as we've like tried them out in our centers and we know what works and what doesn't work um and how to introduce it to to the families like obviously when we switched over to cloth diapering there was there's a there's always a transition phase and even like having conversations with like new families when they start and and whatnot um and so we've kind of digested it and processed it out um and so now to share that knowledge with with other centers in the industry um because it's not a competitive industry i i don't think it is um i mean childcare, there's there's such a need for it we could open across the street from each other and we're not going to steal each other's business <laughs> we're, so. al we're, we're always making more kids there's no question yeah about. <laughs> um so you mentioned something earlier i'm just my, my brain's kind of thinking a little mm -hmm. bit here often not looked at as a real business or like oh it's subsidized yeah. yeah but i would imagine then also people that decide to work in childcare maybe don't always get looked at like oh when are you going to get a real job and i'm i'm mm -hmm. paraphrasing i don't i, I don't know yeah. if that's the case but it sounds like you're also providing an environment where it's like no 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 i'm doing this and i'm learning and i'm growing and i'm applying my skills whether i have a background in that or not or if it's something i'm just yeah. really passionate about it feels like you're also providing 120 people like that's that's a number that's a real number mm -hmm. providing yeah. an opportunity to work in a sector where they can live with a sense of purpose and maybe work with kids, which is something they absolutely love that maybe didn't seem as viable with, with some of the traditional models. Yeah, definitely one of our like main uh, drivers is to elevate the childcare industry. And not from a, I mean, definitely from a service standpoint and the like experience on the client side, but also on the workforce side. Um, it's It's a very like, it's not a yeah it's not a highly regarded um i I'm, i don't have the word right now but yeah people assume it's low skill it's um you know easy to do anybody can take care of kids i don't know really <laughs> like, i do not like think that i absolutely do. i do not think that for a second <laughs> yeah and so obviously like yeah the value the value placed on people who work in childcare or who choose to to work in childcare is 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 not um is definitely not as high as it should be um but it, it is a very very hard industry to work in people will often criticize the amount of turnover in childcare, 
yeah, taking care of people's kids is really hard. You burn out. <laughs> it's not fun. It's, it, it is. And so how do we make it a really more supportive, sustainable industry from a career standpoint where um, after two years, you're not just like, I can't do this. I need to go, you know, work in, in an office or, or do something, something else because it, it demands a lot of energy, a lot of your focus and a lot of your emotional energy. Um, the trust that, that is put in us to take care of children, like we don't take that for granted, but it's also the responsibility that we take on um, and the educators take on every day um, is huge. And then you, you feel that responsibility and oftentimes, you know, things happen, it's, it's children. So bumps and bruises and scratches and hurt feelings and tears and emotions and, and you it's very, it's, imagine it's a very raw environment because when you're that when you're a child everything oh, is raw everything is now and everything and, is the biggest thing ever which it might be for you because you're six <laughs> that's okay yeah, no exactly and and you're creating these bonds um with children and families and uh and it, and it definitely becomes extremely taxing um so we with our team we definitely look at um like education and skill development, there is a ton of programs um, out there. Canada is an extremely generous um, country. The childcare industry has a ton of funding, um, but those programs are not accessible. They're not made accessible. There's so much legwork and paperwork to access them. So we're trying to really break down that um, barrier per se to make sure that all of our team can access that funding, um, set up their schedules so that they can take those courses um, and and really develop their skills and feel really supported and like they they know where they're going in within the childcare industry um, because there's there's not a lot of movement in it it's not an industry where there's a lot of support for sort of where you're going or how you're going well, you I do feel go, yeah you don't step up you're gonna I'm gonna work my way up the corporate childcare ladder like that yeah those things uh, don't like really land together <laughs> No, yeah. And I mean, I do feel a tremendous amount of pressure to keep growing the business, to keep providing more opportunities, more like growth and leadership opportunities. Um, but I'm so excited with what we do. And because we have so many different initiatives and projects, um, it really diversifies the career options within the childcare yeah. industry. People so. that, that I show up every day, but I'm involved in this program or this program, mm -hmm. and we're testing this new thing and we're seeing yeah. how it works. And then we're getting together and talking about whether we're successful or not. Yeah. Again, one of those key factors is do people feel like they're contributing? Do they feel like they're making change yeah. and making it better? And I'm hearing that the word sustainability come up so many times in your mm -hmm. you know, the way you the way you, you program, yeah. the way you you food, the way you do everything, but also for your staff. Well, how do you make it a sustainable industry yeah. for them? Which is not only income, but do I feel like I'm growing? Do I feel like I'm stagnant? Do I feel like I'm learning? And that's all we we're all just little kids, right? <laughs> back to this, spin it all no, the way back absolutely. to the beginning. You keep me engaged and entertained, learning the way and playing the way I want. Well, I'm going to keep, I'm going to do it and I'll keep doing it. <laughs> it's so complicated, yeah. but yes, yes, so simple. <laughs> like I was, this was a real pleasure. I hadn't, I honestly had no idea really what kind of a conversation you and I were going to have. <laughs> My curiosity always gets me and I'm like, oh, who is this person who does, does this thing? And right. I know we joked about it offline, but you don't have kids yourself. No, I do not. I have three dogs. Um, I, so yeah, I have a, I'm, a, I'm a new puppy owner during, during COVID. So I would not dare compare. But I think it's it's similar in some ways. <laughs> oh I'm yeah, told. oh yeah, yeah. And once you have one, you can have as many as you want. It's, it's really. <laughs> I've 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 locked it down at one. She's 16 months old and she's perfect. And we'll get another one eventually. Oh, yeah. But I was like, oh, when are you getting the second one? I'm like, oh, let's take it slow. Let's take it easy. I'm just yeah. navigating this one, or she's navigating me. I don't know who's being trained more or not. Most of the, most of the time. 
Um, WeWildOnes-YYC.com. Is that your is that your main website? Do you have different websites for different locations, or can you get to it all through the uh, website? No, the, that's the that's the main website, and then we've also got our not for profit, and that's WilderFutures.com. Nice, very cool. And um, I guess you're coming into summer, but do you have room? Like, if someone's listening and they're excited, and they're like, "I want to get my kids in here." Are you guys full, or do you have space, or how do you manage that? Uh, we it depends on the age group, um, and depending on the location. Our curry location is, of course, opening, um, so so that we'll have space. But uh, yeah, just reach out to us. But mm, of course, <laughs> it's busy. I know. Sorry, yeah, yeah I get the loaded question. We at don't the end. really. Yeah, we and unfortunately, we don't. We're trying. Yeah, yeah, it Got fills it. up. And, but I live and, in this neighborhood, and curry, and there's. You should have no problem finding enough children. There's children everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, like that's not, children, that's not ch- our... children plenty. Well, you're providing incredible service. I really love how you're raising the bar and you kind of took a better business approach, but really from a place of caring and sustainability and, and doing, doing good. It, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. This is a really inspiring conversation. Thanks for coming on. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thanks for having um, me. My pleasure. And if anybody wants to chat with you or kind of have a conversation, is there, is there a way? Is it LinkedIn? Is there a good way for anybody to reach out to get in contact with you? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn or, or email is great. So Chloe at wewildones-yyc.com. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn. So, Fantastic. Yeah. So there's so many ways these days. It's easy to find anybody. You just got just to reach out. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, Chloe, and awesome. do you get a little bit of time off in the summer or is it summer camps from one end to the other here? Like, does it just uh, change? No, we're, <laughs> we're open year round, but, um, but of course, during the summer, we do a lot of construction and uh, we've been opening or expanding centers every year. So... <laughs> So summer is so, yeah busy. okay yeah no 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 rest for the, no rest great. for the busy I, 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 I got it, it. Yeah. fantastic yeah Chloe it was a real pleasure chatting with you thanks so much for coming thank on the show so thank you so much Tyler have a great day.